0: What's happening, people, and what you know good, we'd like to thank you for listening and spending your time with us. This is Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast, the most provocative, the most exciting, the baddest, baddest podcast in the land. We come with the dopest topics, hitting with the rawest opinion while giving you the straight up facts. No fake news here. I'm Jules. I'm we give giving sight to the blind, ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready to make this decision? Oh, uh, no, I've slept enough, or the lack of sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you still a nail-biter? Ah, uh, I have
1: a little bit, not, not of late. We've had everybody else biting their nails, so I guess it's time for them to stop chewing. The answer to the question everybody wants to know. LeBron, what's your decision? In um, this fall, man, this is, this is very tough. In um, this fall, I'm going to take my talents to South Beach and um, join the Miami Heat. Miami Heat. That was the conclusion you woke up with this morning. That was the conclusion I
0: woke up with this morning. Why? Um, People, what's happening? What up with it? What you know, good and what it do? We'd like to thank you for tuning in and spending your time with us. You're listening to Pulling Back the Curtain podcast, the most provocative, the most entertaining, the baddest podcast in the land. We're hitting you with the dopest topics, the rawest opinion, right? Giving you straight up facts. That's right, no fake news here. I'm Jewel St. James. I'm Dead Press. I'm Novak. We're giving sight to the blind, ladies and gentlemen. On today's pod, we'll be pulling back the curtain on LeBron James' infamous decision to leave Cleveland and 2010. Fellas, what's poppin'? Man, two two thousand that was
1: ten years ago, huh? Yeah.
0: Man, time fly.
2: Ten years ago. Uh several TV several TVs ago since I saw it on TV. Uh man, that's before everything.
1: <laughs> that was that, that was when I had a hairline. Shit. Oh,
2: man. You still got a hairline,
1: man. What you talking about? <laughs> man, it's, it's, it's a struggle bus over here, brother. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <a> struggle bus. I mean you still dapper, man. You
0: still dapper. I yeah. appreciate you, man. You, gentlemen are a hey, solid hey. hey, man, it's just here.
2: It don't matter, man. It don't and matter. You
1: know what? We just cut it off anyway. We brothers, you know. Yeah, it's true. simple front. Not me. Let me stop. <laughs> <laughs> man, but you know what, guys? Man, it's, it's been interesting, man. So you know, it's been a lot of foolishness going on in, in in the world right now. And one of the things that we didn't touch on because you know we did our two part series, uh, true crime on uh Steve McNair, but. Just know, uh, our listeners, we didn't forget about some of this fuckery that's been going on out here. We have not talked about what's going on over there at Barstool of a Dave Portnoy, fellas. Have you guys seen this shit? Yeah, I seen
2: it. I mean, he should stay away from black. He should stay away from black paint. That's all I got to say in that
1: one. <laughs> Don't do it. This is the thing, man. You know what? We were talking about this earlier, man. The stuff that you do in the past will come back to haunt you, man. Receipts will always come back and bite you in the ass. So he my, my guy Portnoy thought that it was funny to be uh using the N-word and making his little racial remarks about Colin Kaepernick. And guess what? Now everybody coming back after him. But I don't know why anybody would be surprised, man, because that's kind of how Barstool Sports has made their their fame. You know, they 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 uh they pander to the bros and people that, you know, that think that kind of shit is funny. So I don't know, man, but it just—it's really interesting when you look at that situation, you know, in its entirety and for what it is. It's pretty—it's uh, pretty sad. And this guy says that he's uncancelable. Like, really, bro? Well, he yeah, feels that way. way. I don't
0: yeah, think so. Yeah, that's how you so. feel. Yeah, that's how he feel. I mean, the—the the, like you said, 2016. He—he—he he, he said Kaepernick looked like an ISIS guy. He said he didn't think he was—he was black. That's what he told his—that's <laughs> what he told his people. He didn't know Colin Kaepernick was black, and he thought he was—he was Arabic. Uh, Okay.
2: (laughs) I mean, if you don't know, then don't comment about it. That's the situation. Go educate yourself. Find out, you know, before you say something you can't take back.
1: That's true. Yeah, and on and on top of it, before I don't even know if you guys looked at the video, but I watched it, and this man said, "So I'm gonna say something racist." Anytime Mm -hmm. you start a conversation like that, man, you already know that shit's going fucking sideways. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like you said, it now ain't the. If, if they go, if people going back 30 and 40 years, you did some 30, 40 years. Just think a few years ago, you say something, uh, especially racist or racial, you know, and then, you know, you still out here in this limelight, man. People got to be careful. No
1: kidding on that. You know what? The one thing that I wanted to say, I want to give a shout out. One of the uh, employees of Barstool, he actually quit behind uh, what happened. It was a white employee. And he basically just said, man, he would never sell his soul for a check man, I respect that type of viewpoint 100%. And honestly, with us, you know, building this Pulling Back the Curtain podcast, and this is something that we're doing on our own with no corporate backing, I respect an individual that is getting a corporate check, and he could just walk away from that and say, man, fuck that shit. Yeah,
2: it takes a, take a lot of heart and courage to do that, to walk away from something you know is wrong, despite the fact he's getting paid. Because, you know, he's going to be better in the long term for taking a stand against it. It might actually help Put more light on the situation and say, hey, something wrong happened here and he need, need to clean this up. I mean, at least say, at least apologize about it and keep it moving at this point. And, you know, if the court of public opinion is going to accept your apology, then it is what it is. But I think right now, you know, you're right about that, press These receipts are coming back big
1: time. Oh, yeah, man. They're they taking people out left and right. And any guy that says he's uncancelable, I mean, and the fact that he said that is because he knows that he's he's built a brand so big with that type of audience that they'll rally behind that kind of thing. You know, yeah. it's just
0: it's really crazy. It's you know I mean, it's un, it's unfortunate, but yeah, there's a plethora of people that's that that like his views. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what, guys, did you guys even peep? They have a um They have a podcast on there uh, with – it's it's two black hosts. Uh, I forget the name of it. It might be called The Two Bigs or something like that. I can't remember. But it's with a guy, Brandon Newman, and then a former NFL player, Willie Colon. So they they call themselves like the BET show of of Barstool, right? So I thought it was kind of interesting that Brandon Newman, one of the hosts of that show, he kind of went after Portnoy on Twitter a little bit, made some comments back and forth, kind of like criticizing him. And Portnoy challenged this kid and said, If you think I'm racist, then you should quit. So, my whole thing is if your boss doesn't respect you enough that he only apologize after you put him on blast on your podcast, you know, because they put him on blast a little bit, then he gives like a half hearted, you know, kind of apology. I'm sure he only did that just because it was a damage control move on his part. But then you basically tell the guy, If you feel like I'm so racist, then quit. Like, that's some crazy shit when you think about mm. it. Like instead of like coming at the guy and saying, "Man, let's sit down and let's talk and let's try to hash this out," he kind of doubled down on it.
0: Well, yeah, he, pretty much. Like you said, we told him if you don't like it, quit. That's what he told him.
2: Right.
0: But he just, he just, he just addressed in, in a little nicer way.
1: But, but that's what these. Say-
0: but that's what these people. Man, he, 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 listen, you can't change these people' heart, man. I, that's how they feel, and that's how they feel. Hey. And at the end of the day, it's like, all right, this, this dude's true, mo- true uh, motive and that's how you feel.
1: I guess the thing that I struggle with with that is, how does the white employee take a stand while these two guys that have this podcast, not only do they stay on this platform, but then they had an episode where they spelled out the, the N-word. And they basically then tried to use this controversy as a way to get more clicks for their, for their podcast. So instead of like them taking a stand... All they did was basically help Portnoy make even more money and notoriety for his platform. So that's the thing that I have a problem with. I I do agree Mm -hmm. with you, Jules. You can't change what's in somebody's heart. What's in their heart is what's in their heart. Hopefully, you know, you would think that people over time would learn, you know, that, you know, there's many different ways that, you know, people operate in this world, but that's not the conversation for this podcast,
0: but Mm -hmm. I just find that hard to believe. With uh, is it, is it is it a money situation? Is it likes? Is it fame? No, 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 You know what I'm saying? I, right. How can somebody you, you sit up here, your brother, and this dude talking, talking, talking smack, at least go in on them, you know what I'm saying? Check him, and then, you know, do your own thing. Don't help this man out. Get more likes and stuff like that and uh, build his platform even, even greater, you know? I, I just think what
1: it comes down to is it comes down to money. And I think that these individuals, yep. they've worked hard to get on that networking. Let's be honest, Barstool's built a, a big following, right? So mm-hmm. they probably feel like, hey, we've arrived. But at the same time, I've had some people that I've talked to about this off to the side, and they say, well, they don't think that those guys should left, left, leave the show because they should fight. But I kind of feel like, how are you fighting when you basically got your hand out taking money from the person that don't respect you and you helping him that become even more rich?
0: That is true. So but they you know uh, if they only know. They holding the keys. They are a piece of that puzzle now. You take that away, this dude, they might not be that, might not be that popular. Go their separate ways. This is, I think, this is a lesson, lesson learned here, a lesson tool for people. Like, okay, you know what? Let us do our own thing. We can start our own thing and branch off and get things cracking that way. We don't need to. We got, we, we, we got the foot in the door. So, hey, when we go, why don't we go our separate ways. If he and can't see, respect you,
1: and that's exactly it, man. Because if a guy basically tells you if you don't like it, quit. That's that's not somebody that respects you and what you bring mm-hmm. to the table. Nope. <laughs> nope. Okay. Watch my back, bro. <laughs> yeah, so so the thing about it is you're right, Jules. I think in that situation, these guys, you guys have built of a following. Take that shit mm-hmm. and go somewhere else. Go somewhere else. Shit, do your own thing, man. I don't know, man. That's crazy. Fuck you, uh Dave Portnoy and anything that <laughs> you associate yourself with. Any of our listeners if you like that show fuck you too because I <laughs> Oh man what's in
2: your Damn. what's in your, what's in your drink
1: Man, <laughs> nah, it's just orange juice over here man I'm just telling you man I'm just I told you man I we, we've been quiet on some of this stuff man I'm oh, just man. It's a lot of bullshit going on well, Now speaking speaking of bullshit what's up with y'all boy Kanye <laughs> Oh boy Oh man which part the presidential, uh, the presidential announcement or just in general? Uh, I would say the presidential anna- an announcement, and then we could probably work our way backwards. That could probably be four hours, but, you know.
0: <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I, I just, hey, Novak, go ahead and take this one, Novak, man.
1: <laughs> well, you know,
2: he always joked about running for president, and, you know, no one really took him serious about it. And then all of a sudden he's missed all the deadlines to, you know, submit to be a candidate mm-hmm. for presidency everywhere. So this is just him just wanting to create some attention. I mean, he got a new album coming, so part of this is because there's a new album coming. he you know he's gonna you know I don't know whether someone from the other camp paid him to basically throw his hat into the presidential ring, but you know if he does this this does pretty much hurt Biden a lot more than anybody else in this situation. I mean, it's not gonna hurt Trump, it's gonna hurt Biden because you know there you know Kanye's got a a following out there, whether you like it or not in this situation. there's people out there that that drink that juice. I like him as an artist. Other stuff, yeah, he can keep the other stuff. But, you know, musically, musically he's gifted. But, you know, he's probably just having another episode right now, something's not right with him. And, you know, he'll probably drop out, you know, before he even gets in. I don't, I, I think he's just running his mouth right now. It's just Kanye talking. I mean, sometimes you just got to mute him and just say when the album coming. That's what I do.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I piggyback off that, dude. I think, like you said, he got an album coming out. That shit. I think that album cover is something like what uh, God's country or something like that. Or, so it kind of <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so it kind of relate to what he doing. So it's like I don't think he's serious about it. I hope yeah, not. It's, it's <laughs> but, a it's a publicity stunt. It's yeah,
1: publicity stunt. <laughs> simple and plain. I I think the thing is is that a lot of people um in this country and I'm getting ready to go in again. A lot of you people um, you guys look at a situation with Kanye and West and you don't look at like the genius behind him, meaning this guy is a marketing person. This is not him wanting to be president. He don't care about that shit. He wants you people talking about him, and that's what he basically accomplished, right? Um, he's calculated, and that's just the way I see it. I agree. I agree. It,
2: it, it's marketing at its finest right now. He, mm-hmm. he, got, he got He's trending on uh, Twitter and everything. It went crazy. He, he plays he plays everybody into his bullshit, to be honest with you, because he says something we all watch. Even if you don't like him, people are just like, oh, my God, he just says something stupid. But the thing about mm-hmm. it is he's on your mind. He's on your mind. He's in your thoughts. And he basically is he's on, your, he's, he's on all your media, media devices. Wherever you listen to music at, he's showing up. He, uh, he said he's going to drop an album by midnight. That never happened. He released one single. And that single basically outpaced uh, outpaced Six Nine single. Yep. Now, now Takashi Six oh, wow. Nine basically was on top of the charts, and most of these artists are upsetting and they feel it. You know, and going, getting angry. But Kanye comes out and eclipses him, in, like 30 minutes, drops one single. It's not, it's not a very good single, but the fact that he releases music and people go crazy because you know he's so artsy in terms of like his style and his delivery, and he already had the controversy going. People listen to his music to hear what he's going to say. If it's stupid, then they're going to say it's stupid. But everybody's going to listen to Kanye's song one time. And then some people will go back and listen to it again.
1: Yeah, I, I'll just say this, man. I, I'm not taking any of this uh, presidential announcement stuff seriously. But if I were to just basically say one thing about it, he would have to run as an independent from what I saw. And yeah. then he's going to have to get signatures and to even be on right. the ballot themselves. Because I mm-hmm. think the deadline passed, right?
0: It passed. Yeah, it passed.
1: Well, oh. well Yeezy supply,
2: which is, that's, that's where he sells his shoes and stuff, outside of Adidas, and then he signed that huge uh, deal with the gap. He does have a platform to get the signatures, because if he goes, you know, the partnership with the gap is huge. You know, even though the gap is not as powerful as they used to be, he had, he, he can get those signatures pretty quick. I mean, I, I don't think it's an issue of getting the signatures. I just don't like the way he's doing it. I don't like the context of why he's doing it.
1: No, yeah, no, you are definitely right about that too. And you know what was kind of funny too, uh, your boy forty five, he even take the shit serious. My man was just like, oh, that was cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, you know, how, you know, forty five is man.
2: Forty five don't give a damn. I mean, forty five right now, he's he's you know he's, he's you know he just helped Roger Stone out. You know, he got his boy sent home. You know, he's he's out there flossing. You know, in that situation, I don't think he. I don't think he's worried. I don't think he's worried about not getting reelected at this point. He's not worried about it. He's doing other stupid shit. He's he's been playing golf during the pandemic, so he don't really care. He plays golf almost every weekend, so he's not he's not concerned right now. If this economy roars back the way it's supposed to roar back, it's all about money at the end of the day. If, if people are making money working, there's mm-hmm. no complaining.
1: You right? Yeah, I mean, uh, money talks, right? At the end of the day.
2: Yeah, money money's bigger than social justice on
1: in this world. I mean, social justice is what we need, but money, oh, <laughs> money is the root of evil, man. You know. Well, I'll, I'll say this. Money will sabotage any sort of efforts with social justice. We're seeing that in the NBA right now. But, man, speaking of money, you guys see <laughs> Patrick Mahomes get the bag?
0: Oh, man. Yeah,
1: I saw it. I'm
0: catching of. <laughs> he said, I'm sorry. I had no bag. Go ahead, man.
2: Like, the thing is, Patrick Mahomes has been injured a lot, you know, in that situation. And, and I don't, I'm, I'm, not quite sure how much of that money, how much of that money is guaranteed. I think, I think, you know, NFL contracts always scare me because they say you're getting 500 million. He might make 180, 190 of that, to be honest with you, because it ain't like the NBA. The NBA money is guaranteed for real. You are going to get your 200, 300 million dollars. That's Stephen Curry. He's still getting money. But you know, NFL deals, I don't, I don't get all hype about them because. There's so many clauses in their contracts. You need two attorneys just to understand how much money he's really going to get right now.
1: So um, that's a good point that you brought up, Novak. Uh, so his contract, he had it written in that he gets $141 million in guarantees in the event of injury. So even if he doesn't basically play any uh, uh, significant time under that contract, he's guaranteed to walk away with 141 of that uh, okay. was it, $503 million?
0: Yeah, five oh three.
1: So my thing wow. is you, you're definitely right about that because NFL uh players versus NBA and baseball players. I mean these, those baseball players they're the man, they they make out like freaking bandits, man, with those contracts. But they're 162 games though. <laughs> you know, these hundred and sixty two games, you should get more money and that's Yeah, but you but, but you standing around most of the time. I mean
2: Yeah, unless you're a pitcher or a short stop and you're right. actually doing a
1: little bit of work. Or the catcher, I always thought the catcher had the the worst the uh, the worst job. I, I yeah, right,
0: man. They, on the knees, man.
1: Well, they do. Yeah, I I saw Carlton Fisk recently, and he limped, He walked
2: like he could barely get up and down the stairs. That's years of squatting.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know? and that's before they even put those the uh, um them sponges behind the uh on the back on the back of their legs. Oh yeah, kind of that's right. Out.
1: Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. You to take some of that strain off. You yeah. Know? Yeah, but you, I'll say this. The last thing I'll say about the Mahomes deal, man, I thought it was a pretty team-friendly contract because a lot of the uh, the guaranteed money can be converted to, like, uh, roster bonuses, which then would allow them to have cap space to sign players and whatnot. So I think the beauty of this deal is that Mahomes wants to build a dynasty there in KC. And so, you know, mm-hmm. this contract initially at least allowed them to be able to retain talent because you saw in, in New England, they were only able to, keep that dynasty going is because Brady was on all those team uh deals. I mean, Brady was severely underpaid all those years.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. But it allowed well, – why say it says it allowed a team to go out and get other uh, type of uh, prospects. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, man, it, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I'm, I'm not even going to discuss the, the Bears' angle with that. That's that's child's play at this point. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, you <laughs> uh, I know you want to say something. Man. Because I
0: know – I know also with, with his uh, – with the contract, he also get a 1.25 million if you reach the Super Bowl. He, he, if you reach it, you don't have to get a winning, he can reach it. And also, if you went uh, NFL MVP, he get another 1.25.
1: See, so he, he got a lot of clauses in there that, that can mm-hmm. help that thing rack up. He's gonna get another MVP. He's gonna get to another Super Bowl. Oh, of I mean, course
2: right. he is. is. They already know that. I mean, like, he's got about two or three more Super Bowls left in him. I mean, you can see it. I mean, he, I just worry about his knees and I worry about. The fact that he's a quarterback and, you know, if you look at the Cam Newton experience and everybody else, you know, from being a, a black quarterback in the NFL, their shelf life is so short and it, it's so frustrating to watch how they treat these quarterbacks after winning the MVP. Remember Randall Cunningham won MVP and now he's a chaplain, you know, for the Denver, you know, for, you know, for the Denver Broncos. No, no, the Raiders. The he's the, like Raiders, Vegas, yeah. the, Vegas, the oh, Vegas Raiders. Sorry about that. Yep. And you know, it's uh it's interesting. So I mean, you know, quarterbacks in the NFL, especially black quarterbacks in the NFL have a short of uh, a short shelf life, and you just you just hope that he's able to you know debut that trend. I mean, we saw Donovan McNabb be great for a long time, get the one Super Bowl, and after that they kinda abandoned him in that situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, Donovan was at the top of his game, even though TO, even though even though TO had a lot to say about him not being who he thought he was, you know, I just I just hope he's successful at it. You know, I you know, I'm not a Chiefs fan. But I'm a Mahomes
1: fan, you know. I, you know, we got to get that type of bag. I hope he does well. And uh, they need to get an offensive line to support that guy. Because to your uh, point, uh, Novak, that injury that he suffered last year, he took a lot of hits. Yeah. You got to
0: protect your franchise quarterback. Wait, well, yeah, you definitely got to protect him now. Give him a 503 mil, man. ten years. They got that dude man. locked down to 2031, 2031. Damn, Ooh. I can't. Even, Eleven years. I get. I, I get. Not just that. thinking about that.
1: Twenty thirty one you talking about hair last man, we're gonna be looking like uh <laughs> looking like the barbershop quartet out of uh, Harlem
0: Lace, <laughs> but no, no, that point. <laughs> hey, I'll still have that banger on
1: me though. Um so, <laughs> there you go, <laughs> Damn. So okay. the the last thing that I wanted to touch on, um, and Novak, you probably have a lot to say about this. Uh McCour maker went over to mm-hmm. uh Howard. He committed to Howard, he chose nice Howard sense. over uh University of Kentucky, UCLA. I mean, that excellent. That move was, that was exactly, that was excellent. What, what you guys thought about that one? I think it's a great
2: move, but he got to bring more people with him in mm-hmm. that situation. I mean, you, you know, one player, I don't care if it's Kentucky, whoever, if you ain't bringing a top flight, you know, list of recruits with you, it ain't going to happen. I mean, you know, it, I think it's good. I think it's good for Howard. We should've been doing that the whole entire damn time. I remember when I was in high school, we joked about that, you know, about what if, um, you know, what if we all decided to go somewhere like a Howard or you decide to go to Hampton or somewhere like that. And that's always been a joke in AAU circles, but it's, but it's now serious because the problem with going to Howard is Howard ain't got the facilities yet, but uh, McCurry could basically go there and he can help usher in that type of, you know, presence with Nike or Adidas or somebody, probably Nike, you know, again, Nike probably touched uh, Howard. Nike's always wanted a part of a Howard. They just never took it. You know what I mean? In that situation, I mean, Howard is a, is a, you know it's a great school to visit. I've been there before. I like the university. I like the campus and everything. They could do it. They could do it. I mean, in that situation. I think this at least gets them on TV. Gets them on ESPN, which is the start of breaking that whole wall down at this point. They're gonna win. They're not gonna win a national championship because there's too much talent out there that they don't have. But this is a good start in the right
0: direction excellent start excellent start. I couldn't agree with you more man when i when I read this and saw what this young brother doing and stuff i said man we, we, I, I, we talk we talk all the time about these issues and stuff like that we We're a product not only i'm not you know less than what a black people in our, in general and a whole bring so so much beauty to anything that we want to put our minds to it and anything that these people have out there we should have been doing this now how is a a university like like Novak, like you said not known for you know your big uh levels of uh basketball bringing in sponsors and stuff like that but if you get more talent this top 5 star recruit talents here coming to these universities playing and winning i think last time uh they went to NCAA it was back in the 80s or no i'm sorry 92 it was 92 they were a 16 season. 92 Mm-hmm. Right, so we get more top top recruits going in that with brothers and stuff like that. Bring more man. We starting a, a good trend here. I like that. I like what this young brother doing. I, I but, like it too, man. I the
1: thing that when I think of this, Howard. So for our listeners, they finished two and twenty last season. That was their record. So that gives you an idea of the type of team that uh, Maker's going into. Mm-hmm. um Noveck brought up the point about the facilities so yes they're not going to have the same facilities of as a kentucky or a kansas or any of these uh major programs that are out here and to be honest i think to truly make this a movement i think the entire basketball community has to change its thinking because you're right guys we used to joke about this back in the day even when we were talking about going to school and how we should all went to an hbcu and we didn't and the thing about it is is that i think that now comes the time to for a lot of these kids to actually back up those words and actually do that because mm-hmm. he's he's going to forever be remembered for this move that he made. And he might be the pioneer for a lot more of these five-star recruits to follow in his footsteps. You know, he's not going to be able to do it all alone. He's going to need more people to come
0: with him. Yeah, he's the spark. That's that spark that's going to catch fire and it's going to burn up, man.
2: And he can't be a one and done in this situation. That's the other catch to this. Because right. if he's a one and done, then him going there for six months
1: is not going to help the situation. You know. So, if, so let well, me ask you: He's a top twenty uh, uh, recruit. So isn't there a chance that he could be a one and done guy? Yeah, it's
2: a, it's, it's a chance. But if you think about his cousin Thun Maker, now they got similar talent. Now the, the makers, you know, <laughs> the, the makers have similar talent. And the, and the, what I say about that is. To be 6'11", 200 pounds, or 220, just doesn't even cut in today's NBA. Because, you know, there's a lot of 6'11 guys out there. There's a lot of 6'8 guys out there. You know what I mean? Same body, same frame. You know, this kid might have a better motor than his cousin, but he's got to stay there at least two to three years to make Howard, re- make Howard relevant at this point. He, You know, him going there and being the first to go there, a, a big-time recruit. He needs, he needs other people to come. he got to go out and recruit for Howard University in order. To, he's got to build a program. I mean, he's got to – the coach has gotta, The coaches got to uh, put that faith in him to go, hey, you know these guys, go get them. And that's the only way it's going to happen, basically. He's, this is a two-year two agreement here right now, two or three years minimum. And he's got to – if he wants to do something special, he's got to build it. You know, he can, go, he can go to the NBA in six months. That doesn't mean he's gonna be a starter in the NBA. I mean, this guy right now, talent-wise, based upon family history and everything, he's a role player in the NBA. But you know, he could be great. He can change the game. He can do more than just be a role player. He could be a, he could be an influential person in college basketball at this point, and then he'd go to the NBA and he could have a decent career. You know, I think that's the best way he needs to look at it.
1: Yeah, man, it'll be it'll be really exciting to see. But I'm definitely happy that the, that the young kid. He took this on this on him, and he and he made this happen. I was really excited to see that. Well, fellas, man, this was like a great little pre-episode chat, man. Let's get into the, the to the meat and bones of this uh, episode. So the decision. So let's let's chop it up on that, man. Uh, guys, do you guys remember when when this thing happened? Who was the mastermind behind the the decision? Uh, Drew Wagner.
2: I remember the conversation. He was, yeah, uh, you know, he was, uh, he was chirping on the internet a bit. Who,
1: who
2: the hell is Drew Wagner? Uh, <laughs> Joe, Joe Drew. <laughs> who Drew? Okay, right. This is like who. This is like who. Sho- who's shoeless Joe Jackson at this point? So, so Drew Wagner is a Pistons fan, and so what went down pretty much is there was this Pistons fan who was always chirping, pretty much. You know, he's al- he's always chirping about. You know, hey, look, what if LeBron did this and blah blah blah. So he was on the internet. He was on people different internet, different forums talking about it. And it kind of got some. It kind of got some air on it because it happened. You know, LeBron was going to a year where he was looking to, he's looking to re resign, basically pretty much with the Cavaliers or leave. And Wagner started chirping. Bill Simmons is involved a little bit in the situation. Bill Simmons talked to Wagner a little bit through the internet. You know, this is before social media blew up, and everybody was mm-hmm. like, "Oh my God, this would be a great idea." And then that kind of spilled out and got into LeBron's camp. And people started talking about it. And then our, our favorite reporter of ESPN's past pretty much got involved. <laughs> and, you know, it turned the situation. You know, Jim Gray got involved in the situation. And, you know, he approached Maverick and a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff is history at this point.
1: Yeah, because you know what? So basically what you're saying is this Drew Wagner kid was like some fan and he blogged with, uh, was it Bill Simmons or whatever? Bill Simmons. And that's – Okay, Bill wow. Yeah. Wow.
2: Yeah. I remember it happened because I remember like, you know, when they were talking, when they were talking to the decision, and everything like that, because you know, they blog together, he emailed Simmons and pretty much Simmons, you know, Simmons is pretty good at keeping things going. You know what I mean? On the controversy side, you know, I like Bill Simmons a lot. And then, you know, like he started talking to other people that are closer to Brian. Then what, then, you know, what happened is Bray heard about it. And then they just took it from there pretty much. I mean, there's a lot involved in that situation. Uh, you know, you got Maverick is involved, Leon Rose is involved, uh, Worldwide West heard about it and they said, let's do it. So that's pretty
0: much, it. they got to that yeah, point yeah. from zero to 60. Yeah, yeah. So, right. Because the, 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 the oh, Wagner suggests on, oh, I'm sorry there, Prez. I was just going to say real quick, like, yeah, the Wag, Wagner just suggests the idea in uh, the question he asks, what if LeBron announces he will, uh, he will pick in 2010, 2011 teams Uh and have a show called LeBron's, uh, uh, I think I'll say LeBron's decision or something like that.
2: Yeah. Because yeah. in, initially they wanted to do pay-per-view.
0: They do were pay-per- talking, okay.
2: They were talking about initially, uh, Press. they were like, what if they charge $44? <laughs> so, to, and they said people would you know people would have tuned in for it. They would have been pissed off in that situation.
1: Could you, so now, could you imagine? So we already had the outrage that we saw with the decision, mm-hmm. and it was free. Now could you imagine this thing if people would because you know people would have paid for they would have paid it, but they would have been mad as hell dude <laughs> oh i was I was mad as hell watching it
2: for free that night. I was sitting yeah. there, you know you know I think it was awesome and doing it in the y m c a and everything like I think that was really special. These kids were dressed up like they were going to church, and he's sitting there on his stool and, like and,
0: going to church.
2: And, you know that look you know that look everybody in the room was like something fantastics happened. I was pissed because everybody in the room knew he was knew where he was going. We knew where he, I knew where he was going before I got on. And I was like, that's from a sports perspective, because, you know, there's a certain person in Miami he was friends with, and I'm like, you know what's about to happen. It wasn't, you know, we thought we were in the running for it in Chicago, and I knew that was going to happen. We fucked up good dreams. And it was Chicago, Chicago Bulls could fuck up a good dream. And I just, I'm just being blunt about it. So it is what it is, you know, in that situation. But, uh, I, I, you know, I think that, you know, I think everybody in the room knew where he was going. I think that, you know, his, his supporting cast is in the room. You know, he had Maverick. They had a Maverick shot while he was in the room. Everybody was just so hyped about it. I hated watching it to this day, to be honest with you.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: but it, it did happen.
1: Well, the thing, too, is like Maverick Carter saw it as an idea to raise money for charity, and I think that was why he brought it to LeBron and so forth. And while in theory, yeah, fine, you know, you guys were trying to do some good here but let's not fool ourselves lebron got a lot out of this too because you know what he got to broadcast his brand across millions and millions of people and mm-hmm. also he used jim gray to basically spew that message i mean that that fucking decision thing pissed me off jim gray is a trash reporter everybody knows it but those softball questions that he was asking lebron remember that shit he was like how's your summer what the hell <laughs> It was good. Uh,
2: well, <laughs> well, you know, you know, you know, Jim Gray gave him the Oprah. That's why I call it basically. I, I don't know if you guys saw the the Brady Oprah the, 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 the uh, interview. <laughs> same thing. You know, they're they're all part of the same like you know cast of friends and characters pretty much. Like Jim Gray's questioning was terrible, because he he didn't want to offend them, and he was hoping to get another decision in the future. A lot of times, when people deal with these celebrities like this and these athletes. They don't want to ask the hard questions because they want to be able to talk to him again in the future. You know, Jim Gray was hoping to become that guy that whenever LeBron's making a big decision or something's going on, he'll be the come to reporter. He never got that job because they didn't, you know, they used him as a vessel at that point to get on ESPN and make that
1: decision. Oh yeah. He was nothing more than a mouthpiece for LeBron's camp. And and actually, you know, people don't realize this. ESPN didn't even pay Jim Gray, and he was paid for by LeBron's camp.
2: That is correct. They didn't pay up. They didn't pay because they didn't see it was being significant at that point in time. But they did block off our TV night, and they did go to it like it was a special alert. I'm like, what the hell?
0: Man,
2: I was watching. Uh, I don't know. I may, may watch the Kashi Hot Dog or something that night. The Hot Dog guy, and they they cut away from the hot dog contest because you no know, been everything going on, and they go straight to LeBron and the YMCA wearing that shirt. You know, wearing that the Hampton the Hampton button up. I call it.
1: Oh yeah. Sitting on that stool with Jim Gray talking about you still a nail biter. I'm like, get the hell out of here, Jim Gray.
2: With with his, uh, with, his with his new hairline.
1: Wow. <laughs> <Ouch.
0: laughs>
2: I was like, wow, it grew back before the decision.
1: <laughs> and that and that and the stress of that decision took that shit away.
2: <laughs> he had a rough year. That first year in Miami was terrible for him. He paid for every moment of that decision. In the days no. after the decision, don't even want to talk about that. That's a whole nother conversation went
1: down after he made that decision. No, man, for, for sure. Oh my God.
2: He you took me what, to a
1: dark place. <laughs> did you guys did you guys know that uh Nike matched uh what uh ESPN earned in the ad revenue from that thing? So I think ESPN earned three million and Nike matched it. So there was a lot of money that uh that they raised uh, as from doing this decision. I still didn't like the, the premises behind it, but I mean, it did do something good. Yeah, they matched it. And then you saw the Nike commercials. They started flowing during the
2: commercial. When, you know, they went to commercial at the at the, at the gray, asked those softball questions, and they showed the Nike commercials with LeBron and everything like that. And then at the end of the show, they showed the, you know, they showed the whole running through the community commercial. I'm like, oh, my God, this is terrible. <laughs> it, was, it was brilliant from a marketing perspective. I mean, LeBron is a great marketer. He's better at marketing and getting controversy. He's the Kanye of basketball. At this point, he's really good at getting you into his world.
1: That and he's also really good at uh having uh people carry his water for him in the league too cuz we've definitely seen a lot of signs of that oh, in the okay. NBA. Oh yeah. Yeah,
2: the media the, the media has spe- the media has a special relationship with him.
0: Yeah, this Right, guys, I don't know about y'all, man. Well, I do know what y'all think, but this is just just, I, I couldn't get in with it, man. Just tell me where you're going and let's let's keep it moving, man. You need all
1: this, man. Well, well think about it, right? So, the, the, the guy, Jim Gray, he he's he asked 18
0: questions. <laughs> right. I mean, come on, man. What, what Anybody doing, sitting bro? there, like, anticipate waiting on, man, ask, ask the man where he going. <laughs> yeah, I know. Let's go to the Commercial. And the commercial, hey. has to be, the commercial has to be the LeBron drinking a smoothie or some shit. I'm
1: like, what is this? <laughs> man.
0: I'm like, dude, we only wanted one question. That's all one we question. wanted to know. Where are you going? Where <laughs> are you going? <laughs> what we have? We got this, this all this well, spectacle, man. Well, my mama, my mama is
2: happy. And I'm like, no, I don't want to hear that. Where are you
0: going? Where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> ah, dog. Ask yeah. that man. So we yeah, he hey, keep moving. The yeah, joke he,
2: there. The joke there. He should have made the decision when he got married. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the joke there. I always hear.
1: <laughs> You're a, he you a wild boy, Novak. Mm-hmm.
2: We just want to know, man. You gotta treat up. You got you gotta get the same energy to the decision to go to Miami. And having Savannah sit there for like a decade, <laughs> same thing, that went down.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, decisions. That's so, that, there's so many places I could go with that, but, uh, oh, but uh, i oh, I know. Decisions, decisions.
0: You know, Ooh,
1: DM, DM Lord. <laughs> My goodness. So, <laughs> when LeBron basically decided to take his talents to uh, to Miami, right? Mm-hmm. We know from mean. there that decision changed the NBA landscape. In you guys' opinion, uh, how so? I mean, we went from. Balanced
2: teams to super teams really quick. I mean, there were super teams in the 80s. You know, the, the, the Boston Celtics were – they were godly. You know, you had, like, Hall of Famers in every every damn stall of the locker room, to be honest with you, you know, the Boston Celtics. Same thing with the Lakers. They were just fortunate to have all the talent. It was two teams that had all the damn talent. And Philadelphia was somewhere in the mix at that point. But they were mm-hmm. not quite as good as the Lakers or the Celtics. I think how it changed the landscape is that – it showed a player with enough power to create and assemble a team in any city he wanted at that point. You know, he he put Miami, Miami always was, Miami had won championships before him with, you know, with Wade and everything, but he showed that he could shift everybody to one area. He changed the way the media, you know, looked at basketball that year and then became more of a situation of is LeBron happy every year. So he, cha- he totally changed the landscape. He took control of the NBA landscape when he went to Miami. He became the most focal point on earth. I mean, Kobe was awesome. But Kobe didn't control the media like that. Kobe Kobe went out there and he did his job. He put in the work and he won championships. You know, LeBron James basically created a soap opera in the NBA. He also made every team around him pretty much start looking at, how can I put more stars together to compete against these guys? They got three closers on one team. If one of them is not having a good day, there's two other guys kick your ass. They were, they were taking turns kicking people's ass. So, I mean, what it did is it made every general manager out there feel like they were doing a shitty job. It made them all look at the rosters. We started blowing up rosters around the NBA. Players start becoming friends with each other. You know, the whole AAU mentality took over the NBA. That's pretty much what the decision did.
0: And, and then also, they changed – like you said, it changed, not only changed that, it changed how, they, how we do our traditional all-star games, where it's not east from the west. It's just, you know, you, you get two captains and they pick – Who they want on their team to play against each other? In that way, I had uh, uh, agree with you that Novak. That you know these NBA players nowadays, they have you know these now players, modern players have more power in constructing their teams in 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 the league than ever ever before. Now with those teams back then, like you talk about the great Lakers and Celtics and Philly, did did they go and join or was it more they they get those those players off uh, draft picks? No, they were, those were a lot of times they were trades and draft picks. They were trades and draft picks. So not right. So that we looked at from there, like, you know, the Lakers when they had uh, back in then when they had uh, Will Chamberlain and black Jesus and, and Jerry West Celtics, like you said, uh, you know, Bill Russell and them or if they get Larry Bergen and the chief and all them. Right. And even uh, the great, even, you know, so it, it does not seem like that, but uh now, when you're going from, hey, you know what, I'm LeBron, I'm going to go back and play with Wade and Bosh and Greg over over Shooter and um, Allen, uh, not Allen Iverson, uh, Ray Allen and other guys playing with their with their other partners to win to get a better uh, chance of winning a championship, man. Dude, like you said, it changed, uh, changed the dynamics of uh, how we look at this thing now.
1: No, you, you're definitely right about that. And also, too, let's, let's just be honest here. Uh, LeBron, he's always going to be known as the pioneer of these super teams whether Mm -hmm. he wants to admit that or not. Um, I can't fault him for basically his decision to want to play in Miami. That's not what I ever had the issue was. For me, it was the whole spectacle behind it with the decision. Then that fucking uh, press conference thing that they had at the arena when the dudes are sitting in their uniforms talking about not one, not not two. two, Not three, four, five, six. I'm like, like, shut up. Yeah, shut shut y'all asses (laughs) up. That that was the problem that I had with that whole situation. But when you look at the landscape of the NBA, you guys both are correct. The players have the power now. Um, Not even just in a way that they can make their decision on where they're going to play, but you got to think about the narratives that owners and GMs used against players when they wanted to leave via free agency. You guys remember when Shaq left Orlando, right? And back in, what was that, 90? Mm -hmm. Yeah, whatever. Whatever year that was. So when he left, the owners... They basically painted him as selfish, right? And then the, the whole fan right. base basically hated hated Shaq. Shaq didn't even want to talk about the contract. And I thought that that was unfair because it's called free agency for a reason. <laughs> the guy's free to go over where he wants. Like, what's the problem mm-hmm. here, right? So I think in the situation where when you had LeBron, he really was one of those players that used that power. Because like you, you said, Novak, Kobe, while – we He was a powerful guy. Kobe never wielded that power and influence that he had. He probably could have if he wanted to. But LeBron was the one that basically took that power and used it probably more effectively than any player that we've seen uh, in the history of the NBA.
2: Right. And, I mean, go ahead. Kobe tried to wield that power to get to Chicago. He tried to do that. And that did, you know, what happened there pretty much is. The Lakers had a stronger uh, management unit at that time, and they were just they sat down and said, "Hey, that's our guy. We can't let him go like this," and they pulled him back in. You know, I think Kobe would have went. Kobe would have went to the um, would have went to the Bulls, but the thing is, the Bulls were giving up so much. You know, to get dang, you know giving up Dang and all those people at that point in time would have been a bad thing for the Bulls, right. considering how these guys' careers turned out. You know what I mean? But at the same time, you know, we we as an organization weren't strong enough to see the bigger picture, and the Lakers got smart at the end, and they said, oh, hell no. We're going to give up our great. We're going to give up this person that's done so much for us, and he's going to win more championships here. So they basically mm-hmm. figured it out. And it took, you know, it took, you know, it took trying to figure out what to put around them. I think the difference was with Kobe, the general managers made those deals happen. It wasn't players going, hey, man, you want to play with me? Hey man, I'm going to Miami. Come meet me in Miami. It was none of that going on. I mean, you know, when uh, when Jim Buss was alive and the Lakers were winning championships, he was the great negotiator. He was the guy that went out there and got the players. The players didn't go get the players. It was it was the buses and stuff the world right. around there and got the players right. to come over. Mm-hmm. And then you know you look at the new NBA. Basically, these GMs are kind of powerless. These GMs are just you know they are. They're they're dedicated water carrying men. They got to be really nice to these guys because if not, they'll have a mutiny and they'll go hang out somewhere on the banana boat and put together a team. So it's it's a totally, that's what, that's why the NBA has changed so much is because they can pick and choose who they want to play with, where they want to play with. And if you're, and if your city's cool enough for them, that's a whole new NBA right now. You can't stop
0: that. Dude. dude, And it's forced. And you know what these players are doing, you are forcing these and it shouldn't be forced, but these owners and, 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 uh, holders and stuff like that you have to these are family no matter what at, at that point back then it's a business now this got to be you know you got to be you got to be family you got to be more than just boss owner or player and this and that we all men and women here in this in this game and stuff like that so it, it 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 brings a new light like you know what we can't look at these people like we can't look at these basketball players or any players in that matter like like cattle like all oh, we can just you know just trade or get rid of this and that, man. Cause like you said, these, these players, they, they standing up, they standing tall and they, and they, they want theirs. And they ain't backing down either. They're sure not.
1: And also too, one other thing that I wanted to point out to you guys. And even to our audience is the fact that LeBron has helped players change uh, the way that they get their message out there to the mainstream, meaning the media control, the message when these guys were going to leave to go to a team and, and so forth. Now you guys see when like, let's say for instance, Kevin Durant, and Gordon Hayward, when they left mm-hmm. their respective teams, these guys put out like uh, articles in the players' tribune. And so you could just tell that the players now are just looking to basically not have their message uh, torpedoed by the media. And also let's not even forget how Kawhi Leonard basically took over NBA free to see last summer. I mean, when the hell did he sign? It was like, weeks after the free agency started like he slow played everybody when he came to free agency last year he basically shut it down really um and then also too when you think about the decision where he and paul george decided to team up that's just an example of how that that nba landscape has changed because as Novak mentioned this nba has now turned into this buddy ball aau style of play and from mm-hmm. where i sit I, I love the fact that the players do have the power, but as far as the competitor in me, I don't like the way that they've yeah. gone about using that power.
0: Mm-hmm. I like, I'm like i with you. I'm with you, Perez.
1: Like, What do like you guys me. feel about that aspect of things? Because some people will say they think it's great that the players have the power in the league, but for me, I just think that landscape, the way it is now, it's, it's just a little troubling, especially when you see the way Paul George forced his way out of uh, OKC.
0: You, you, I, I'm just hey Novak, if you mind, I'll just I got a quick one on this one. I ain't gonna go too much deep into it because that's the that's part of the main reason why I'm not watching a lot of basketball now these days. I was a big basketball fan back in the days where Cash used to build a team by draft picks and stuff like that, and free agency and stuff like that, and and people evolving and, and working on their craft and getting better. Now if you go in and playing with your uh, with other superstars, you got to hold like like that one year the Golden State Warrior had five All Stars. People on their teams. I know they still didn't win, but but damn, it was like, man, this ain't even fair, man. It's like I I don't like that. I don't like that part of it, and I really can't get down with it. That's just you know, that's just my opinion on it.
1: Well, well I'll tell you that the recruiting in the NBA has become the new norm. I mean, these guys behind closed doors, they're more effective recruiting and getting the job done in the damn GM. Like Novak brought up, the GMs, what what, what role do they have anymore? Because the players especially the star players, they're the ones that are basically controlling the chess pieces. Mm -hmm.
2: You're right about that. I mean, the the GM, this isn't Jerry Cross, this isn't uh, the bus air, anything like that. That's dead. These players basically are so good at, you know, maneuvering who they want to play with. They they might not understand the salary cap, but they don't care about the salary cap because with the big three, you know, when they put their situation together, the issue was how the hell you going to pay them all. That's where, you know, there's their cap expert had to pretty much, you know, in Miami had to figure out how to make all three of these contracts work, you know, at this point. Because, you know, money's always going to be an issue with signing three stars in that situation. But I think I don't like this version of the NBA because I feel like, you know, I, I like the players to have some type of control, but I don't like the fact that, you know, if it's a season ticket holder or as an NBA fan, I feel like it sucks that my star could be going in 20 minutes. After I just bought some tickets, you know, to see them for 82 games, or my star is already plotting to leave after we draft them. and that's the new NBA right now because you know you got to kiss their ass in order to keep them. Like you know, like Ana is going to be a big problem because I don't think I don't think there's any way in hell you're going to keep him in Milwaukee unless Milwaukee got another star to come up there. Milwaukee's not Miami, Milwaukee's not LA, it ain't even Golden State. It's going to be hard to keep that guy in that area.
0: Right. Yeah. Milwaukee's that's one. definitely was true. It, was it known for beer?
2: No, they know brats, bratwurst, Brat works, bratwurst, 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 yeah, bratwurst and cheese. <laughs> I hope <laughs> you know, love cheese and brats. Unicupo ain't drinking, not eating, not eating, drinking or eating any of that stuff. So it don't even matter at this point. You know, that's a little Vernon <laughs> Shirley moment with Unicupo in Milwaukee.
1: Damn. Well, I will say this: the the new player power movement. It's gonna come back to haunt those guys when a new CBA comes up, and that's the thing that nobody's talking about. Well, you don't. Ooh, you don't man. think these owners are gonna remember that?
2: Well, it's, it's gonna it's gonna hunt them when they try to go out and get these next contracts. You guys say LeBron James is due for one. He, at some point, he's gonna have to he's gonna have to be on the other side of the table and say, hey, I want you know, I want this much to play to continue my career. And somebody somebody's gonna tell them no, they're gonna end his career prematurely, even if he got something left in the tank. Because you know, you're right, these owners and these these owners and these shimmer managers, they remember this stuff. Oh yeah I mean, well well, you can ask Kermit Anthony what happens if you get traded back to Chicago after yeah. you come here. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty. That was pretty sad. They need to, This don't don't even come here. Well, this is just a paperwork move, cash considerations, Melo. <laughs>
2: those those you know, those are hurt feelings. That's what that was.
1: Yep, he
2: could have helped us on that roster, but too much hurt.
1: That is true. Well, man. Well, so when you guys look at the decision, so we all have our opinions of you know LeBron and how he went about doing things and whatever, but. Do you guys think that uh, he made the right decision leaving Cleveland? Yeah. Mm. Okay. I tell you what, that roster
2: was
0: ass. I mean, uh, was Wait a minute. Hey, hey, you had Shaq, no back? Man, oh, come, on. A, come on, was, come on. That was, man, that was not
2: that Shaq. That was Sonny O'Neal. Dude, that was Shaq that beat
1: the <laughs> general one-on-one. What are we talking yeah. about? That?
2: He said that Sonny O'Neal. That was Sonny O'Neal at that point, man. Oh, we. Yeah. That was not Shaq, nice hey, man. Hey, you
1: know, he, real quick, Novak. Well, you, you you gonna disrespect Bo Williams like that? Uh, who? Right, about Mr. <laughs> Mr. What, Alabama. What Hell about? Yeah. Big, hey, what about Big Z?
2: Man, Big Z got a nice job in the in the, in the management office over Cleveland. You know, <laughs> big Big Z couldn't. He wasn't mobile or anything like that. He was just big. You know, in that situation, so it wasn't it wasn't the type of big man he needed at that point.
0: LeBron these shooters hey, don't around him. Forget- don't you had you had you had uh Antoine Jameson who Burton Ernie? Oh, well, <laughs> uh, he was
1: he was watched at that point. What
2: it, it was beyond watched. That man had a couple of 55 go. point games in Golden State, he was awesome. That one year, he put up that 100 points in two nights. He ain't been nothing since then. I love Antoine Jameson as a, as, a, as a power forward, I think he's real smooth. But him putting him in Cleveland, that's LeBron. He wasn't the type of power forward he needed. He needed it boss or he needed a space shooter. He needed somebody that didn't post up, somebody that didn't catch it in mid-block because that's LeBron's area he works in. He controls everything below the dotted line. So, uh, the free throw line in that situation. So, he needs guys that can hit open jump shots. That team was okay. stupid. J.J. Hickson, Hickson basically was not that good. You know, he was one of your starters majority of the season. He um, – mm-hmm. You Know he basically the problem with JJ Hickson was he wasn't that intelligent as a basketball player because the NC State guy he was big, he's athletic, but he had a lot of stupid plays. He was Javel McGee before Javel
1: McGee. You he, had, was also, uh, he was also the only young player they had on that team besides Danny Green.
2: And you had you had, you had uh Kristen uh, Mayenga basically who came over from the Congo. He never he, he didn't amount to anything, he's supposed to be like the surprise pick because remember. Remember, Danny Green went in the second round in 46. Now, Iyega went first round 30. So they drafted a guy from Congo quicker than they drafted a guy that went to North Carolina who basically was awesome at NC. Danny Green was pretty good in college. Yeah, and then you also had,
1: at, at Carolina, yeah.
2: Yeah. And then you had, you had Jamario Moon on that roster. He could duck. That was about it. That's about it. He couldn't guard his mom. He could, he could jump out the gym. <laughs> <laughs> but he but he couldn't guard nobody. And then you
0: know he, I'm he can guard sh- his mama.
2: Now I'm gonna get a shout out to Anthony Parker. That's you know, that's what you know, That's one you know, that's that's one of the homies, man. I'm gonna say that like, Bradley. He
0: was, good.
2: he was he was good. Bradley, you know, you're talking you talking that Naperville area. You know, he was awesome. I mean, Anthony Parker was a pretty good player. I remember from high school, he was good. Uh Leon Poe, he was too small to be a center. They had that guy playing center out there when Z go out sometimes. And you know, it was terrible. And don't forget, Sebastian Telfair was on that damn team. Bassy. <laughs> yeah, he was on that team. And we had a we had a young Anthony uh job before he found his uh you know, his VD out soon. We had him on the team before he found out his hair. And we had LeBron's dad on that team. So you know, it was
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> we had the on that team. I mean the Delante, the had and Mo.
0: Damn, yeah, you brought back memories, man.
2: Yeah, Delonte and Mo pretty much carried that team's ass when LeBron didn't have to take. And Anthony Park had a lot of big shots too. Cause you think about it, Delonte Delonte was awesome as a two guard, a, a six foot three two guard. And he'd go out there, he get you twenty real quick. Oh, Del- Mo,
1: Delonte was a dog, man.
2: Man, I mean, he played defense. You know, he he did everything. He did everything right on the court. Off the court, that's a different story. I mean, off the court, you know, he <laughs> he did yeah. some stuff that basically set that man back mentally, uh, set LeBron back mentally a couple of years, uh, and then they had Jawad Williams on the team, who was another North Carolina guy. So they they had a lot of Carolina on that team. There was Danny, there was Jawad, and there also and there also was Antoine. So I mean, you know, mm-hmm. the thing the thing is, the roster was not built to win a championship, not even close. Now I forget I forget about Booby
1: Gibson. <laughs> You know, oh, he no got very he got Keisha Cole he's,
0: that year. That was the best thing yeah, to him. Mr. Keisha Cole. Yeah. Man, so okay. Here's where the separation with, with with Mike and and uh LeBron. Now, if you put Mike in that situation, Mike would have developed them boys and they would have won a championship. Right. Talk to him, Jules. Now, LeBron had these people. Now, granted, Novak, you broke you broke this down eloquently. They wasn't winning with with, with LeBron. He couldn't I mean, like you said, Shaq was – Shaq, Antoine Jameson, some of the other cats, it, it wasn't doing it. Shaq back in the days, yeah. Yeah, because they almost, you know, they almost went there. I think they got swept, but, but you know, hell, they went there. So, yes, I, I think it was the right decision for him to go on because he'd been in the league for six years, I believe. He was drafted in 03. So this yeah. is 2009-2010 season. So, yeah, he left because, you know what, he felt he, he was frustrated and felt like he wasn't the management I believe I read at the time the management wasn't put, putting players around him to win, and he got frustrated and he went to Miami to play with uh Wade and then uh, I think Bosch went Bosch went in first. Bosch went in and said he was committed to play in Miami, then LeBron joined him. and he went there, went to that first season with Miami, they went to the championship, lost to Dallas, but the next two years they won back to back. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. what would you say, Perez? I'm sorry.
1: I was going to say, too, I mean, that team won 61 games. So, I, I know you guys both done, didn't respect that roster very much. And LeBron probably pulled those guys along with him. However, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure you guys looked at some of those Bulls rosters from back in the day. And no disrespect to anybody on those teams. But, I mean, come on. You so, know.
2: that was our 41-41 year. That was, the, that was the year that Boston got a that's the year that Derek arrived on the scene. that was our 41 41 year you know what I mean pretty much we, we you know we basically went 500 that year you know so
1: we Novak no, I was talking about the teams that Mike won championships with Oh, oh
2: okay even better uh well the thing, the thing is Jerry Cross did a really good job of putting the right parts around Michael compared to like what they compared to what they did with run out there.
1: You, know, you mean like role, role role player wise?
2: Yeah, role player wise. I mean, right. he had the right parts. Plus, you had Scotty Pippen. So a lot of right. people, a lot of people gotta understand that when you got two players that so you could build around every damn year, it's a lot easier than having one start looking for a bunch of bums and bunch of role players to put around them. So I would mm-hmm. say the difference, the difference with the Bulls is, yeah, Mike and Scotty, Mike bred Scotty, Scotty bred other winners in that situation. But you got two guys on the same system. And all they do is spread that to everybody else in the locker room. Well, LeBron, the fact that he wasn't very vocal at that point, he was vocal, but he was still immature. You know, around that time in his career, he was the best, he's probably the best player, you know, the best player at that age group, the best player coming up at that point. But you know, he wasn't he wasn't a leader yet. You know what I mean? He was a he was a great player, but he hadn't figured out how to win. That's why he took his ass to Miami. He went down there, he got into the Pat Rally system of winning games and winning and winning championships. Mm-hmm. They taught him how to win. He didn't know how to win it. He got to the, he got to the finals. Got blessed. He didn't know anything about how to finish on the big stage. He didn't know how. To, he didn't know how much work to put into it. He got to Miami. He learned how. He learned how to work at a different level and and make his teammates so, work with him.
1: Well, that's that. That's where he got that championship DNA that he always talks about. He, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. He didn't have that. He he, mm-hmm. he learned that from Pat.
0: So was it so was it the, so the coach in
2: Cleveland? Mike Brown? Uh, no. Mm-hmm. I'll be Mike okay. Brown for that. I mean, Mike Brown won sixty-one okay. games with, with a exactly. with a misfit with a misfit roster. So you right. gotta get you gotta get okay. Mike big props about that. You know. You know what? Got, I
1: blame I blame Danny Ferry for being a trash executive. That's that's who I blame. Okay. Okay.
2: Uh, well, yeah. I mean, but but you know, the, the thing with Danny is Danny Danny got Brian there. They also you know, he turned it around. Because remember, he did he did draft one Wagner, he did draft Carlos Boozer. Now think about this. If Boozer doesn't leave at this point, there's no Antoine James. Right. They might have had a better roster. Because I think Boozer and I think Boozer and a uh, Young, uh, young Bron basically gets you, they, it gets you closer to a championship. But they still were missing that other player. Because Boozer ended up becoming a perennial all-star in Utah. He went out to Utah he put in work. We got Boozer mm-hmm. after he felt like he was better than what he was at that point. We got we got, we got we got we always get players in Chicago after all the gas is gone at that point, or the players got too much money, and he just basically driving around his cars all day.
1: Well, that was, that was, that was a consolation prize that I didn't want. So, I mean, that's – Yeah, it was a bad <laughs> prize
2: because he was going to go back to Cleveland and Ryan state. You know, Bulls was on the way back to Cleveland. He, we, he, he chose us because he couldn't fit in Miami. They didn't want him in Miami. They already had their guy, Bush. He probably would end up in Miami if Bosch didn't go to Miami.
1: Yeah, and then the Bulls threw the bag at him because nobody took it.
2: Exactly, exactly And then, you know, that's on us In that
1: situation I'll say this real quick Uh, I I came at this a little slightly different I think he should have stayed in Cleveland Now, I do agree with you guys that the roster Didn't do him any favors But in the spirit of how Mike was I just think that LeBron should have stayed there And led that team to a title You know, I think he should have took his lumps Uh, Jordan, he took his lumps You know, we we Mm -hmm. don't have to retrace that But you guys know where I'm going with that I just think that I would have thought that winning a championship there first um would have been better for his legacy than going and joining up with uh Bosch and uh Wade in uh, in Miami because Wade had already won a championship. And to be honest with you, that was Wade's team. I mean they don't call that Wade County for no reason.
2: They also remember Brian had Brian had that elbow surgery that year too. Right. So he so you know he had that issue that that uh that growth in the elbow. They never tell you what they cleaned up, but, you know, that changed his shooting form dramatically. His whole shot changed after he had the elbow surgery. You know, there, there, there was they won 61 games, but there was a lot of problems that year. You know, you know, Mo had surgery, Anderson's, Anderson's hamstring was hurt every year, and Shaq broke his thumb that year at, yeah. like, four, at like, 35. So, there was a lot of – I mean, they did a lot. You know, they did a lot with that roster Get 61 games, but they sucked all life
1: out of yeah. it. I mean, they did, but I just when you look at this guy's legacy, because he's very concerned with that legacy, he did go back to Cleveland later and led them to a title. However, Mm -hmm. I think if he would have won that title with them prior to the Miami situation. It would
2: have been different. It would have been different for him. That last title was NBA
1: Manufactured. NBA
2: Manufactured that last
1: title. Of course. Of course they did. And then LeBron would have to be forcing people to play in this bubble, but that's another story for uh, (laughs) –
2: We're giving you the small blanket.
0: They are getting a small
2: blanket. You guys saw the video. So,
1: yeah, I did. What What you have, uh, Jules?
0: No, I'm about to say. So, Perez. let me ask you. So, you think he'll be in the conversation of being a GOAT if he stayed with that with that team with those teammates and won a championship?
1: I think it would have been more digestible. I think. Dig- it okay. Funny. Yeah. I don't even want to. I, I say agree.
0: That. I agree with you. I agree. Yeah,
2: his resume would have been better. I mean, if yes. he won. Now, he if he, he,
0: he want to stay, if he want to stay for that reason, he want to prove that he's the best, the greatest of all time. I'm with you but he just won't just to get it to win the chip, then okay. That's it, you know, all right.
1: Because that's, that's all that was. That was a situation of, man, I played a team USA with these guys. They're my boys. Let's see what we can get going down there. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I wanted to throw over to you guys real quick was, so you guys mentioned a couple of the teams that, that were, a, that were a runner up. Let's talk to our audience about some of the teams that were involved in the LeBron Sweet Stakes. So, uh, Novak brought up the Bulls, uh, but there was the uh, the Nets, the Knicks, and the Clippers. Uh, you guys want to do just a quick, you know, deep dive into a couple of those situations?
2: We got played with in Chicago. You know, the Bulls got played with. You know, it was all people talked about at work and stuff at that point in time. Everybody thought he was coming here, and i, I was sitting, I was sitting in my own space in the office, like y'all are full of shit. This is not going to happen. You know, you know uh, even Jerry Reinsler freezing said that he thought that he had him. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Because, you know, because what happened is, you know, Wade, I think Wade's um, issue with the city at that time went back to the Michael Jordan era. And he didn't like the way the Michael thing played out. And a lot of players had hurt butt feelings about what went down with Mike. And remember, Wade was also a Michael. Um, he was on Michael's brand at that point in time. He was wearing, you know, he was wearing the Jordans. And, you know, when you look at that, and I don't know how much – I know Mike – well, I'm going to say this. Mike had a lot of influence on free agents at that point in time, even if he was somewhere and they didn't want to come play for him, but they weren't going to go to Chicago because of how things played out there. So we wasted our time in that situation, big time. You know, uh, we had no shot at it. The Clippers didn't have a chance in hell. So They just got a good location, but they're still they're still, play, they're still playing the, the Lakers bad order at that point in time as they do today before they move out to the, you know, to the, uh, to the, to the form. So I don't think the Clippers – the Clippers didn't have a roster at that time. You know, they had the money, but then they had a roster. We had yeah, that, ro- that, that, we had the that money Clippers and team. the roster.
1: Yeah, that Clippers team had a, a young Blake and a, an a aging Baron Davis. But, yeah, you, that, that roster wasn't as uh, – that Bulls roster I thought was the more attractive of the ones. And, and honestly, a lot of people thought that the Bulls were uh, LeBron's preferred uh, destination.
2: Well, the problem with Blake and Brian on the court at the same time is weird because those guys both pay in the mid-post. They both post up a lot. You know, a lot of their actions come off of catching the ball in a certain space, you know, and then creating out of the post. You can't have them on the floor at the same time. And the fact that, you know, Blake historically has had issues getting along with other, other alphas. Because Blake's not an alpha. He, he wants to be an alpha, I think, personally. And I think Brian has issue being an alpha. So you got two guys that don't want to be the man. They don't want to take the last shot. It's just not gonna work out at that point. Chris Paul would have been the only thing that would have you know stabilized that situation, but they weren't there yet.
0: You know, I just uh when I knew when he didn't come to Chicago, I said the hell with him. Because I was <laughs> man, I was like, man, come on, man. We got boozer or we got boozer or uh or Joe Kim on center, Taj Gibson, D. Rose, uh, Ronnie Bruner or Cal Kovner for shooting guard. I I don't know. But with you know. I'd have been like, man, LeBron would have been a perfect uh, uh slot for that uh that roster, man. And he <laughs> let us down and went to Miami. Well
1: we, you, I, ain't, I
0: ain't gonna we ended, we ended up with Boozer
1: because LeBron didn't come, but you're right, right. Uh you had Noah, you had uh Rose, uh we had Taj was on that team too, right? Yeah, was,
0: Tosh was, Gibson. Yeah. Lua. Yeah, Luau was on that team. I mean, we
1: yeah. lost we lost BG.
2: Right. Right, which, which to me is the biggest loss ever because we lost that heat i mean if him if him and you know i know he was undersized but derek and gordon on the floor at the same time oh my god you know he took so much pressure off of uh off derek having, having to take the big shots all the time and also that wouldn't also that wouldn't have been a um, you know there wouldn't have been a rip hamilton you know sighting at that
0: point. oh yeah that's right i forgot about old rip Hey, let's, and, and just, let's,
1: let's be honest. Let's just call this what this was. The Bulls, when they met with the LeBron uh, to pitch him, right, because, you know, all these teams had their pitch meetings, they mm-hmm. had a pair of Air Jordan shoes on the table, and they basically challenged LeBron. They said, can you feel these? Well, guess what? When he decided to go to Miami, he answered that question right away.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, he felt them all right.
0: <laughs> yeah. and, and, let's be, and let's be honest. Besides uh, the Clippers, who are we looking at? We're looking at Chicago. Back to Cleveland, New Jersey, and uh, and in New and York. Hey, hey, man, that brother want to get out there to South Beach and and, and, and get loose, man. He <laughs> want to go out there in some fun, fun weather, some sights, you know that strip. He want to get out and get loose, man. He ain't talking about no more cold and nothing like that, and also get a chance to win, win a championship, man. Our brother gone. man. Miami, here I come. I mean,
1: you you right, Ocean Drive. All
2: right, Oh, man,
1: yeah, nothing's competing with that.
2: I could be with that. I mean, you know, you know, he was going, We saw the commercial with John Legend and him, and they jogging through, and John Legend singing like an R&B song. My brother jogging with children, with him through Miami neighborhoods. Oh I mean, yeah, yeah. Go, he didn't jog through Little Haiti though. He jogged through the good side of Miami. So <laughs> that's like wow. So it, it was too much. I mean, but you know, there's no way you don't. There's no way you're not gonna go to Miami. And I think with the, you know, with the Knicks, they're the fucking Knicks. Nobody's going to New York. <laughs> you know, Dolan, Dolan probably came in and probably said something offensive and said, you're going to sign. That's probably, that's probably the next yeah, situation with that. I wouldn't it, went it, to New York.
0: It, except for LaMelo. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no man, that's terrible stuff going on out there, man. We can't even describe the, the drama in New York. I mean, it, you know, they, they need their own podcast. We need hours to talk about what's wrong in New
1: York. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you too. You're right about that because when LeBron decided not to go to the Knicks, they ended up signing Amari, and Amari was shot at that point. Uh, oh so. yeah,
2: we took his. They took his good legs <laughs> at that point. He was done.
1: Yeah, because that that Knicks team they had a young core. They had Gallinari, who I've always liked his game. He, he's pretty solid. And then they had uh, Al Harrington, yeah, who was nah, also man. kind of underrated as well. Oh man, you probably
2: from for pass, man. I mean, he yeah yeah Gallo, yeah, I mean, Gallo was pretty good, you know, in that situation. He would have complimented LeBron really well, you know, in, in, you know, out there at that point in time. And then you want to talk about the Nets. What's to talk about the Nets in that situation? I mean, um, uh, <laughs> I would say that team at that point in time, they, they didn't have – there wasn't a reason to go out there unless he, unless he just wanted to go somewhere that was a big market at that point in time. I mean, I see, I see, like you know, any team that's in New York or any team that's in Jersey—that's a big market that's untapped at that point in time. They just, um, you know, it just wouldn't been a good fit for him at that point in time. You know, it gets cold in New York and New Jersey during, you know, during the winter. Miami—that guy was still wearing shorts and and singing with John Legend. You know, there was no way he was not going to go go east at this point.
1: <laughs> and and two. Uh... The only thing that uh New Jersey had going for themselves at that time is that Jay-Z was a part owner of the team, him and LeBron was boys, and then they had that Russian uh billionaire that bought the team and he came in basically saying that he wanted to do all these big things and then mm-hmm. he stole the franchise. You know, so for
0: for cat food and he left. <laughs> man, LeBron LeBron wouldn't win a ring, man. He said, damn all that, man. He would to win a ring.
2: I, I mean, you know, like you know, the the billionaire came in, took over, the, took over the franchise. He got them, you know, he he got that really nice arena. The Barclays Center is beautiful. Yep. And he left town with his bag of money. Yep. And he, he cashed out on. He cashed out on. He went back. He went back to his secret vodka industry.
1: Never seen him again. Damn. That's crazy. But man, you know what? Both of you guys bring up good points. Obviously, LeBron went to Miami. They, they didn't win the seven that he promised. You know, they <laughs> won a couple, and then he got up out of there. <laughs> <laughs> not one, not two. I was like, oh, was like, stop it, man.
0: <laughs>
1: but the one thing about that guy is he, he leads those teams worse than when he gets there, though. I mean, you see what Oof. he did the first time, and then the second time.
0: We should call him Hur- and, Hur- Hurricane. And the third. Time.
1: There. He's like a hurricane. He comes to town.
2: He sucks all the life out. He's a basketball vampire. He goes there, he sucks all the talent out. He gets the, every coach has been fired after he leaves.
1: That's history. Well, you know, one thing that's kind of interesting that we we're having this discussion, so obviously LeBron, he he got flack for his decision, you know, to leave Cleveland and go to Miami. And then in recent times, we've seen now the, the heat that uh, Kevin Durant has taken from leaving Oklahoma City to play for the Warriors at that time, right? Mm-hmm. So in my opinion, I think that they're – those situations are similar.
0: What do you guys feel when it comes to that? I think Wait. it's a. Uh, I, I, I real quick, I'm gonna say, KD for me was worse than LeBron. So how? Because for you? because KD had a team where he he could have won a chip with them t- with that team. I know he got problems with uh he couldn't deal with Westbrook, as sources say. But that's something you can. You can you can you can talk that out over a meal. Uh, they was win they was winning. So th- so what they lost, so he come back again. But he jumped ship and, and played for uh, Golden State. I thought like man, I don't know about that move. That was worse to me. That, to me, that was worse than what LeBron did.
1: Well, the the way I see it, and this is something I've said to a lot of people over the years, is you can't defend what LeBron did back in two thousand and ten, but then rip Durant. So for me. I think well, the moves right. are the same in principle. But however, you make a good point because that they were uh, up 3-1 in that series against the Warriors, right, when he was in the season. up 3-1. Yeah, then,
2: then Steph Curry happened. And then um, and Clay Thompson happened in that situation. I think I agree with you on that, Jules. I mean, he left a good situation because he couldn't deal with people. So the thing about it is you're right, they could go sit down as men and chop it up and figure it out. Yeah. You know, you you had James Harden, you got him, you got, you know, I mean, you, you had you a had, Baca. You had Baca, I mean, you had they had uh, Stephen Adams,
1: they had a young Oladipo. Yeah,
2: Reggie Jackson, all that. So the the pro the problem basically with you know KD is that KD let his pride get in the way of wanting to be the man. He probably felt like he could never be the man in Oklahoma City because because mm-hmm. Westbrook Basically, is so dynamic that he made that his he made that city his city, and he made that team his team. And KD didn't have a personality or the charisma to take it over at that point. I mean, KD, talent wise, has got more going for him than Westbrook gets a lot out of his body, a lot out of what he get. KD is KD is so smooth in terms of being able to put the ball on the court, pull up whenever mm-hmm. you want to. He could do anything you want on the court. I mean, Kobe Bryant said it best. That guy's the most dangerous young kid I ever played against because he could do everything. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't afraid of Westbrook. He wasn't afraid of Westbrook. He's afraid of KD because KD picked him up on defense. And this is Kobe at toward the end of his career. He still had to find ways to score for a guy that's damn near seven feet tall. That's like a Panther almost out there. I
1: well, mean, he's got I'll, the perfect just, basketball bill. I'll just say this, man. KD's the one of the most gifted offensive players, I have probably Ever. Yeah, like hands down.
2: Ever. I mean, Carmelo Anthony's number two for me because not, and people argue with me about that because, man, Melo scores like Melo scores like people chew gum and walk. Easily. Easy. Easy. Right. Easy. He can't guard nobody. He ain't never guard nobody. KD can guard people. That's the difference between K, that's the difference between those two. We judge that other guy based on the fact that he's a terrible defender. We all know that. Right. But, but KD had everything. He threw it away. He threw it away. He went to Golden State. He won a championship out there, but True. he then he then got then he had a, a mental breakdown out there. And people said, "This is no, this is Steph's team," and he, you know people were chirping to him. You know you won't be you won't be considered to be a great in Golden State. And then of course that goes into his little like precious ego. I got to go somewhere and be the man. So he leaves again and goes out to Brooklyn.
1: Well, so one thing I wanted to, to jump in real quick on that, Novak, because you brought you brought up a couple of things I wanted to let our audience kind of think about. So, yeah, you're right. Uh, he did, you know, he risked his legacy, too, by leaving OKC mm-hmm. to go to Golden State. However, I think the media treated Durant a lot differently than they treated LeBron, and this may sound weird to say that because LeBron got crushed as well. But I think that the media tried to separate KD from his teammates because that first year when they were in, in uh, Golden State, those guys were playing seamlessly with each other uh-huh. and then that media narrative basically just kept chipping away at those guys and then that's when you saw Durant kind of peel away from his teammates because Steph he made sure even though that was his team he made sure to welcome uh KD with open arms and, and uh, Steph even he kind of like pulled his game back a little bit to accommodate Durant so Steph he went out of his his uh he went out of his way to make sure that KD was comfortable there I think that media separated those guys, because that didn't happen in Miami. That Miami situation, it was them against the world.
2: Yeah, it was them against the world. Yeah. It was them against the world. There were, there were chips in the armor, but that first year, they were not on the same page. That second year, they got on the same page because somebody had become the alpha. They let LeBron become the alpha, and Wade decided to ride a shotgun, and that's the only reason yeah. why it worked out. he took a step back. He took a step right. back. And, you know, and you know, to be honest back. with you, right. Wade never recovered after taking that step back. He sacrificed his good years, excuse me, pretty much, let LeBron shine. He took the ultimate sacrifice. That's the reason why they're friends right now. Because to play with LeBron, you gotta sacrifice who you are. You gotta change everything about you in order to let him be in order to win a championship. He's the engine and you gotta basically become somebody on the bus. That's pretty much the way it works.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, like a like a transmission or something.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And if you don't, yeah, you're right
2: about that. And if, if you don't want to pop that transmission, then you know, hell, you have a town. And I think Miami, I think I think if there had been too much friction offseason in Miami, I think they would have moved Wade or somebody to make Brian happy at this point. And, you know, because he gets what he wants at this
1: point. Yeah, no, he he definitely does. I, I just man, when I think about this KD situation, man, I just wonder what would have been at Golden State because they were on their way of being that great dynasty. And with the way that the cap situation was uh, rolled up for them, if they could have worked that out with KD, I think that team would have just – it would have been sick for the league. Um, oh, it's yeah. tough. Because also, too, when you see with that situation where KD and Draymond got into it on the sidelines, we all knew mm-hmm. what that was about.
0: Yeah.
2: But that's normal. That shit happens. It just so it just so the, the camera was there when it happens. You know how many times Mike and cussed out Scotty and Scotty and said something back to mic on his breath because he's scared to say it out loud. <laughs> you know. But you, you know, know what though? It but happens. It's,
1: but it's but it's not what you say. Is it's, it's sometimes it's like how you say it. And when when Draymond basically called that man out of his name, mm-hmm. I mean, you you already know. Yeah, Cause, but because Katie he handled yeah. that way better than I would have been because. The, they man, they would have hauled me off on him because you ain't gonna call me out of my name like that. <laughs> but
2: but when you and you in sports that happens. I think I call I call teammates out their name. It happens. Yeah, I know it ain't
1: you, right. You would have caught some hands if you'd have called me out of mind. Yeah, I mean, what team? <laughs> <we got it?
0: laughs> right there, right there yeah. on, on play. On site. Yeah, yeah, it <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey, hey,
0: it
2: happens, man, in those situations. You gotta understand, when you're out there and you competing like that at a high level and everybody's good at what they do and you see somebody fucking up and you be like, look, motherfucker, I need you to do this. And they look at you fuck you and the next thing you know, somebody getting called a bitch. It happens. I've, I've been in those situations. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you like this, whatever, basically. It's how you deal with afterwards. Yeah, somebody might, it might be an altercation after that, but at the end of the day, we should not eat pizza. After thought they called that man a name, mm-hmm. he called me a name. That's how life works. Mm-hmm. The problem well, is, you, you know, know what though? Who that's raised these men? That's how it should
1: work, because you should be able to chop it up like y'all said.
2: Yeah, but that goes back to that comes, you always say to me, who raised these men in that situation? You know, you know, these are guys raised by single black women. Right. And a lot of times, you know, there was no man there or somebody to tell you that men get into fighting and altercations. And you say what you gotta say, you keep it moving. And the you problem think you're there done with it. Right. You're done with it. You know, that's times, you know, I people I'm really cool with. I we didn't get the arguments. We I talk about nasty arguments. Fuck you, fuck your mama. Nasty arguments. And these are things that happen. And <laughs> and, and the mom and, and the mom could, you know, could be in the same room, and be like, oh my god, I thought we was cool. <laughs> and this this stuff this stuff happens, but you know, at the same time, you know, if 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 the rent rant's more mature about it, and, and 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 you know you know who was scared about his money at that point, because he's like, oh my God, we ain't gonna win no championship. People don't think I'm a fraud. That's what happened. That's what happened with our boy Draymond. He was worried about himself. He was worried about winning no championship. He was scared that he don't get exposed. And he did get exposed. When KD left, we saw who Draymond Green is. He's a role player. He ain't no star. He's mm. a role player. Oh
0: right, right.
2: And mm. you know. You no, know, Durant's so good. Durant's talent is so good, it makes everybody around him better. It even made it even took Steph to another level and it took Clay to another level. Because you're in the room, you're in the room with greats. You're in the room with people that kick ass for a living. You can't yeah, do, this, it, you can't and, do that with a bunch of bums.
1: And and it turned Draymond into an even better role player.
2: Oh, it made him it made it made him the glue. He's the glue guy. He 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 is what he does all the dirty work the stars don't do. He's the person kicking people ass. He grab. he's the Dennis Robin. He's the ball grabber out there. He's the one out there grabbing, <laughs> touching everybody, and he, he keeps it all going. I mean, when the, none of those stars guarded LeBron. I mean, stuff with Durant on certain, on certain, on certain possessions. But you know, Draymond, Draymond's defense on LeBron was instrumental in them winning those championships against them. He he, he really locked his ass up because that's his only job. You ain't asking him to score. You're not asking them to do anything else. You go guard that guy. You make his life a living hell. And that, that's pretty much that's – how, that's how championship teams are designed at that point.
1: Now you, you're definitely right about that. Well, fellas, man, this was is, this is a fun one. This was really good. Novak, go in and hit them with the curtain call, our final segment here.
2: This curtain call goes to the Boys and Girls Club of Greenwich, Connecticut, who were the ultimate winners of the
1: LeBron James Decision
2: League Cleveland in 2010. They were the recipients of a $2.5 million donation. That was ad revenue that was generated during the broadcast. Uh, the broadcast, you know, the decision broadcast itself was flawed <laughs> and I and we all feel it was unnecessary, but there were some good things that came out of it. You know, I mean those funds definitely helped change some kids' lives, you know, who were in question in that situation. So I think, you know, the decision was ultimately I think was a it was a bad idea, but it did do some good in the community. So I'm gonna let them slide
1: for this one. <laughs> uh, Jules hit us with that final thought.
0: All right. So on today's episode, we talked about the decision. LeBron's decision to leave Cleveland to play for Miami, for Miami Heat. Because of that decision, he won back-to-back championship with that organization. Time went on again, and LeBron made another decision to go back to Cleveland to he wants to bring a championship back home. And you know what? He did. I believe the first one in franchise history, I believe. So... (laughs) (laughs) so where will you be in the future not because of hope but because of your decision you are not just a a manager of your life you are also a creator of your life if you want to know how to create your life you have to get hungry for something you have to make a decision there is something you want so bad that you unleash all your desire to the point you become obsessed with it for instance if you want to be healthy well i think i gotta get in the gym or watch my watch what i eat if you want to have a family well I need a woman or if you're a woman, I need a man, Pro, you know, have some sex and have some kids. <laughs> if you want to be rich, well, I got to get into something that's going to make me some money. Or if you want to win championships, I must perfect my craft, give it my teammates, perfect their crafts and win something unitedly, you know, to win that championship. Or when your family asks you to start a podcast, not only any podcast, but the baddest podcast in the land, my decision said, hell yeah, let's do it. And that's what we're doing right now. So, decision making is the key. Decision making uh, affects your life. Decision making is the future, is the uh, force that shaped destiny. The decision that you made years ago, five, 10, 15 years ago, was one of the most important decisions of your life. Of course, if you make a different decision, you go in a different direction, your life will be completely different. So, people who, So, people make a decision and don't focus on what if that decision don't work out. If so, focus on what, if I, what what can I learn from making that decision to give you better experience to make better decisions. You know what? Some people don't even have the guts to make tough decisions, so they make no decision whatsoever. And you know what, people? That's even a decision, so just make one. Just remember, our decisions, good or bad, determine on how we make them, not what the consequences were. What helped me in my decision-making comes from the book of Proverbs. Jesus said, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Thank you for listening, Press.
1: Jules, thanks for that final thought. Novak, good job on that curtain call. As always, this podcast is sponsored by Somato Coffee. Somato Coffee believes that coffee has to be unique and high quality from bean to cup. To learn more about Somato Coffee, please visit them at somatocoffee.com. That's S-U-M-A-T-O-C-O-F-F-E-E.com. Use special Pulling Back the Curtain discount code Ballers Coffee to receive a 25% discount off your order. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. As always, thanks for your continued support. We're the Pulling Back the Curtain podcast. Thanks for listening. Peace.